listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Uh, we are in our series. We, we jump in. Thanks, Jay, for the great word. God does take care of us better than the birds. I didn't sleep in a tree last night. I slept in the luxury comfort of a half-renovated house. <laughs> drywall dust and all but what a joy I remember a day when I didn't think I'd ever own a home some of you students you're thinking or young adults you're thinking am I ever going to be able to own a home some of you are renting am I ever going to be able to own a home listen go on that great journey of faith with God and you'll find that in some cases you'll own more than one you'll own several you'll have investment properties because anytime you engage the substance of faith it unlocks some things in the natural where the natural no longer functions according to natural rules. It, accord, it functions according to supernatural kingdom of heaven economical rules, which are weird math. It's 10 minus one doesn't equal nine. It equals about 15 in my experience. And 10 minus two even turns into something crazier. And it's not always the same uh, medium in which you've you experience it. Sometimes the door opens, not financially, but relationally or opportunities or health or breakthrough, or it's, it's remarkable what God can do. Um, before we jump into the word this morning, I just felt prompted as I was praying this morning. I want to help to pray over a couple of you who are experiencing a, a recognize a shift in season. Um, very naturally, when we step into the summertime, there's a shift that begins to happen. For those of you who don't have an air conditioning, oh boy, that shift's a little difficult, especially on a week like this. Worried about the heat is not something you really have to deal with when you're in the winter time. It's the opposite, but when you hit a season like this, you begin that whole formulation. Well, if I open these doors at this time and those windows at that time, and if you have a two or three story house, it becomes like a, like a, like a, uh, full-on engineering experience. I close at 10:15. We close this door and open that window, and it's a, it's real. I mean, some of you, you got a house like that. Um, when you step into a new season, you begin to see that the math of today is not working, and something's going to require a shift. And maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your personal life, maybe it's in your spiritual life, maybe it's in relationships. But you have a sense that there's a shift in your season. And I want you to know that God is the author of seasons. Don't get nervous about that. Sometimes a shift in season feels like it's being brought about by other people. Be wise enough to see beyond the people and see the God who's leading your life. I really want to challenge, because you'll get mad at people for the change. How many of you like the last season that we were in always better than this uncomfortable new, oh, I wish it was 70 degrees again, right? When it was 70 degrees out, you were complaining. I can't wait, it's so cold, I need some heat. Then we get heat and you're, oh, I wish it was, let's go back to Egypt. Okay, listen, when there's a shift that happens, you're the one that was saying you hated your job so much. Now you have the opportunity for a new one, right? See beyond, see, you know, I, I don't like this uh, situation with these people. And then the people shift and then there's a new opportunity. I want to challenge you to be aware of not the people who are the players in the season, but the God who orchestrates the season and trust him and walk through that. Anybody you're kind of like navigating a season, a shift in season in your life, or am I just completely off? See a couple hands raised. Do me a favor. Will you just move out of your seat? Just come up. We're going to pray over you guys. Okay. Is this all right? It's not, a, not according to script or whatever. Oh my gosh. Is everybody going to come? 
shoot, I should have, keep coming. I should have had everybody just stay in their seat and all the people who didn't need prayer just, oh man, that's gonna be, come on, move on, move all the way up to the front up here. Oscar, come up here. Hey, Oscar, you and your family, congratulations on the house. Hey, listen, that is such a, a big, big thing. Amen? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's a great shift. Good things ahead, right? New jobs and new relationships. And I don't even know what's all going on for everybody. I don't even know who you are, but hey, welcome. Good morning. I don't know what the shift is, but I want to pray. Oh, new homeowner alert right there. Katie, what you have, listen, there's nothing that's not spiritual. One of the most spiritual things you can do is to have a vision for your future, not having all the pieces in your present ready. Most people think about buying homes after they're married and, you know, first kids on the way. Way to go to be ahead of the curve, right? I'm just telling you, you've made such a wise decision, not because I was screaming in your ear before you did it, because I know you had 10 other people doing that. And I know that you're the type of person that likes to be so prepared that there's no room for any type of uneasiness. But God is found in the space where it's uneasy. It's where you trust him. I remember my very first mortgage, I thought to myself, I could never afford to make the payment the first month. You know what? I've never missed a payment. As God has been good to me, I've never missed, I've never been late on a payment. Amen. It's God's grace. In fact, I've made multiple mortgage payments on multiple properties on time in months. Believe for God's big stuff. If God would do something for me, he could do something for you. Okay, whatever the shift in your season is, uh, just kind of grab onto that thing in your mind. And I, and I want you to look at this shift and say, uh, in your mind, God, even if it's, I'm not even going to ask this question. How many of you, the shift is, feels bad? It's like, oh, listen, step back from that. Trust the God who holds your day. I don't know what a day may hold, but I do know who holds my day, right? He holds my day. He, come on, say that with me. He holds my day. He holds my season. He holds my season. And God is a God of seasons. There are seasons on this earth, otherwise be incredibly boring. Go move to one of those states, you'll move away from that state not long after. Seasons are refreshing, it's exciting. There's purpose behind that. And your life, if you are walking in the kingdom of God, is going to have shifts in seasons. Okay, it's exciting. If you don't like this one, don't worry. There'll be another one coming. I'm just telling you, there'll be another one coming. And if you lean into God for every one of the seasons, every season will produce its good intended purpose. We're not just wandering around. God's not just, oh, turn left, turn right. No, no, no. God's building stuff. He's developing stuff in you. Even difficult seasons produce some of that stuff, right? Does it feel good to lift weights? Yeah. Well, for the common person, not so much like you, does it hurt to lift weights? Um, Come on, tell tell it like when you first started. It sucked at first. Okay, that's what I'm after. But it's developed, keep your clothes on, we don't need a, but it's developed a strength, right? That wouldn't be there without that pain. Every season has its value. Okay, well, I, I was going to pray for like three or four people, but okay. Um, hands up. Okay, just to the Lord. This is always the sign of saying, this is what my grandkids do to me when they want something. You're not doing this to me. This is God. I want what you got for me. The Bible says, raise your hands before him. 
And I want you to begin to pray over this season. I want you to prophesy over this season with your own words out loud. This is your season, Lord. I give myself to the season that you have for me. I give myself to the changes that you are working. I release my frustrations over the fact that the season has shifted and I see beyond the circumstances. I see beyond the people involved. I see beyond the resources. I see beyond all of that. And I see the God who holds my season and I surrender my heart to the God of this season. This will be a great season. I will enter this season with a faith filled heart. I will not have bitterness or anger, and I also will not allow fear to reside within me. God, you are leading me. You have great things for me. You're directing my footsteps. The Bible says the footsteps of the righteous person are ordered of you. It's because you have more for my life that you command me to take steps forward. And Father, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to look for the treasure in the field of this season. Your, your word says that the kingdom of heaven is like a field where there is a treasure hidden. And every single season that we find ourselves following you, there is treasure in that field to be found. Father, I pray that you will give me a keen sense through the power of the Spirit of looking for those treasures. Those treasures are going to come in the form of opportunity. Those treasures are going to come in the form of great moments of joy. Those treasures are going to come in the form of moments of challenge, of people to be added to my life, of things to be removed from my life that have been holding me back. There are going to be great strides in the season as I grow in my knowledge of you. God, your spirit is going to lead me step by step through this entire process. I celebrate this new season. Come on, say it with me. I celebrate this new season. And I'm going to trust you in it, Lord. And I'm going to believe for a great, great calendar season in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, high five the person next to you. Look at, uh, Before you go anyplace, look at them and say, this is going to be a good season. Okay, it's going to be a good season. It's going to be a good season. And uh, if uh, any of you need help uh, or have boxes, see Katie afterwards. And she probably has three things, so she probably didn't need a whole lot of help moving, but cash gifts would be uh, welcome, right? Boxes. Oh, you do have stuff. Um, somebody, why don't you go ahead and be seated? Half of you already are. I don't want to make you stand. Uh, we're in our, our series entitled Disciple. I hope you're enjoying the summer. What a great summer. And if uh, you get a chance to go on some vacation, or as the Australians would say, go on holiday, um, I think that gram grammatically, that's not correct, but apparently everybody uh, on other places, they all feel like we go to hospital, we go to vacation, we go to holiday. Sounds right, so uh, I'll, uh, I'll champion their, their way of speaking for 10 seconds. Okay, now moving on to how I speak, <laughs> which is usually half illiterate, as you know. Uh, we're in a series entitled Disciple, and we've talked about what a disciple is. There are four different categories of people on earth today, and four different categories of people who were on the earth when Jesus arrived. And actually, four different categories of people who um, showed up to hear Jesus speak. You got people in the crowd who are never Jesusers. These are the people who already have something, and they don't care about Jesus, and they make the conscious decision, not you because I have what I want. And again, if that's you today, you're welcome here, but we're just confident that God's going to capture your heart, and you're going to want what he has and who he is. A little closer to Jesus, but in that same crowd, are the people who are unbelievers. These are the people who, they see Jesus, they're not necessarily against Jesus, they just haven't made a decision for him. 
and therefore they're just kind of set in what they're doing. They're not convinced that he really is who he says he is. And that was in a crowd. You know, read any of the New Testament accounts of Jesus. There's, there's people, uh, even religious people, who said, I don't believe you're who you say you are. I'm not fully convinced yet. Yeah, you did that thing, but, but what about all the bad things that happen in this world? I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast this week. It's, it's not a great theologian or anything, but it's fascinating sometimes. And he was arguing with a, a Christian believer who was, and as he was saying, so, but if God is really real and really loving then how could God allow all these bad things to happen on the planet? And I'm like, duh, that's, that's Christianity 101. He's given us free will, and your free will, making dumb choices, affects other people. Well, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. That's why everybody else is suffering. Did you not get that? Do you not understand that concept? No, no, I'm not causing anybody to suffer. No, no, no. When you stole that from that neighbor, uh, they weren't suffering at all. When you broke that person's heart and told them those mean things, even though it was out of bitterness, you didn't really mean them, but you just were lashing out, that broke that person's heart. They weren't suffering at all. Well, they did some things, and I just, I was right in what I did. No, well, you think you were right, but you hurt people. You made the decision. God didn't, like, snuff you out. Well, God shouldn't let anything bad happen. Listen, you've been dead a long time ago. Are you tracking with that? Why does bad things happen in the world today? Because you showed up. Gosh, it's hard to get an amen in here. (laughs) I know online they're probably overwhelming the stream. Like, amen, Pastor Steve, you preach that. The reason why bad things happen is because you showed up. And I say that with a smile, not with a... It's a reality. When we really take a look at the bad things that happen in this world, there's a number of bad things that happen, have happened because I'm here. And even on my best of days, still some of the good I try to do can be tainted because of a lack of knowledge, a misunderstanding, or maybe some wrong motives, right? And so, you know, for unbelievers... Uh, they haven't made a decision yet about, about maybe Jesus, but hopefully as you, if you're an unbeliever, you come into the room, you'll be compelled and drawn and experience God's presence and want to become a disciple. Now, a little step closer, both today and back in biblical times, are the likers of Jesus. There are people who liked Jesus. Uh, the people who went to hear Jesus preach that one day where there were no restaurants and it was very remote, and Jesus preached much longer than I do. Just throwing that out there, it was multiple days. You feel like you've been hijacked for 40 minutes, try 40 hours, okay? Maybe we'll try that next week, probably not. But at least there is pita pit across the driveway, right? Well, there, there was no fast food, and people didn't realize it was a three-day venture, so they didn't pack a meal, and now they're famished. And in the crowd, a lot of people liked what Jesus said, but then Jesus did the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. You'd be pretty amazed if you were there. You'd be like, I like this Jesus. I didn't prepare for today, and he fed me anyways. He fed me as much as I could possibly eat. Or maybe you were someone who had a friend that was sick, and you had heard that Jesus could heal, and you didn't really, you weren't a disciple of Jesus, but you thought the doctors, their prescriptions aren't working, so what I'll do is I'll bring my friend, let's let's try Jesus. So you brought your friend carried him in on a mat with three other friends, and that friend got up off the mat and walked for the first time. 
Because Jesus heals. I got a feeling that if Jesus healed your friend or healed you, for, as a matter of fact, you would really, really like that. If, if your greatest need right now were answered, boom, and it, sometimes it does get met right now, but if it was, if you were just experienced the miracle of God, I got a feeling you would smile and say, I like that. Anybody? That doesn't make you a disciple. Just newsflash. If you experience the blessing of God, if you experience the healing of God, if you, God does something really great in your life, you're going to really, really like it. But don't get confused. This doesn't mean you've stepped across the line and become a disciple. And it doesn't mean like in some pecking order, caste system, that you are so much better than any of these people. Because I promise you, Jesus has done miracles in every single one of these boxes. He has. You can, you can read about people who were over here, never Jesus. And Jesus does the miraculous in their life, not because of a caste system, but because of his great heart that he has for us. He loves us even in our sin. All right, come on. You need to get, come on. Better amen than that. All right. He loves us even in our sin. And that's why you weren't poofed out the moment that you showed up. And it's why when some of your sin is graduated, you aren't poofed out because the Bible says that the mercy of God or the long suffering of God, not to poof you out, is so that he can capture your attention and bring you over into a place where not only your sin is forgiven, but he can touch your life in a way that you, on a less frequent basis and a less impactful basis, your sin begins to diminish in your life. It'll never truly go away while you're on this earth, even as a disciple. But you're going to find that he's going to transform who you are. It's going to be remarkable. Things that you used to want, you don't want. Things that you didn't want, now you do. Attitudes, reactions, angers, hatreds, unforgiveness that you had kind of melts away over time, sometimes just miraculously, and then other times with a little bit of effort, okay? And so uh, I should probably start my message here at some point. 1 Timothy 5.22, today we're talking about the disciples. And we talked last couple of weeks about how that group views their sin or what sin is. We talked about how unbelievers view sin. We talked about how likers view sin. Watch last week. Today we're going to talk about how a disciple sees their sin. And this is critical. And I would challenge you to dial in. If you want to uh, take uh, follow along in the notes or look at them later on, use the QR code. We do that every week if I forget to mention that. The notes are always available. Uh, probably not the jokes that weren't funny, though. Okay, so with that, uh, let me go ahead and take you into what, how a disciple sees, uh, slide number two, how a disciple sees sin. A disciple sees sin, and this has been the big question for these three. Sin is a thing that is defined by God. In these other groups... There was no sin for this crowd because what I do, I like. Oh, there's some sin. It's what you do that I don't like. But for these guys, everything I do, there's nothing wrong with what I do. It's always justified. Sin is what other people do. For this crowd, sin is a little bit different. It's a morph of that. It's a little bit similar. Sin is culturally defined. It's more of a, I'm a pretty good person because the majority of what I do, it lines up with what is culturally acceptable. And how many of you know there's still cannibal tribes in the world today? Okay, but if my neighbor eats one of my children here in the United States, we've got, it's, what? Whereas in those tribes, that would be a moment of conquer and success. And you've ingested their spirit, and now you've taken on their power. 
which is crazy. However, in their culture, in their tribe, because they're an unbeliever, they've adopted a cultural moral code. And most people, although they, 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 they do rebel to a small degree against what's culturally acceptable, they feel like that 90% of what they do is good and it outweighs the 10% of bad that they've done. All right? The likers, uh, their view of sin is, oh, um, this is really bad because God said don't do it, but I've got the magic bullet for that. I'm going to say, sorry. Sorry, God. In fact, I haven't even done it yet, but I find great comfort in what I'm about to do will be forgiven in advance. And that's the view of sin. Likers, they've added Jesus to their life. They're not following him. They, they added to their life the things they like about Jesus. But again, they're not disciples. They're not following. They haven't surrendered to him. And so when a moment of sin comes, it's very binary. Oh, that's, that sin is bad and do right is good and I'm about to do bad, but we've got a potion for that. It's called forgive me. And it's like in their mind, it's just an instant erase. It's, there's no penalty for that. It's forgiven. In their mind, it's, they think repentance is just saying sorry, just being forgiven. And they're able to continue and move forward in good standing with God. Now, if they don't repent, they're always worried about, oh, is there anything that I've done wrong that if Jesus comes back tonight, what if I forgot to say I'm sorry about something? What if, oh, let me think back. When I, oh, Lord, forgive me. When I was seven, I stole my, my, the kid next door, his pencil case. It was cool. It had Power Rangers on it. I stole his pencil case. God, forgive me. Whew. Okay, you can return now, Lord, tonight. And I'm good to go. It's very black, white, and as long as I've said I'm sorry, everything's good. That is not how a disciple sees any of this. A disciple becomes very clear of several things that I want to walk you through. A disciple, number one, sees their sin as something defined by God. And it doesn't matter what it is. If God said yellow is sin, then yellow is sin. There's an understanding that God has purpose for defining something as sin. Don't you, don't you realize that Adam and Eve looked at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they saw it was good for dot, 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 dot. And I can assure you that even standing here, I can find some good reasons to sin. I can find a good reason to flip somebody off on I-5. It's called driver's ed. You need to know that's not acceptable or rev my engine when I drive past them. I love to do that. My wife's like, you really think they heard you? Yeah, they know. They can feel the vibe. Okay, it's not the finger, but it's close. So um, you can always find a reason to sin. Well, I can say these things because they did me dirty. There is value in our sin. Adam and Eve could see that. I'm not, I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that's how we see things. But the disciple recognizes that sin is something that's defined by God. In fact, it's not even a wrong act. You need to get, grab this. If we were to look at a bullseye and to see the dead center as being the righteousness of God in any act, in any, any moment, in any action, in any interaction, to get the bullseye is to not sin. But to be anywhere outside of the bullseye is sin. To miss the mark. That's what the, the Greek word hamerteno, it defines that sin is missing the mark. And we'll talk about this a little bit more in two weeks, but that's why I can give. How many of you know it's good to give, right? It's an act of righteousness. But if you give with a wrong motive, 
The Bible talks about that. A good act with a wrong motive is to have the arrow going towards the bullseye, but one of our fletchings is off on the back of the arrow, and so we miss the mark. I can sin in my giving. Well, then you would say, well, then I shouldn't give at all. Well, no, that's really sin. That's not even to fire the arrow. That is to know to do right and not to do it is what? Okay. Sin. There you go. Okay. So are you, are you tracking with that idea? See, here they're seeing very black and white. If I'll tell a lie, it's sin. If I don't tell a lie, it's not a sin. It's not really that. It's, there's more to it. It's being honest, being truthful, having a pure motive. Because sometimes we sin by telling, the pe- telling people the truth. We tell the truth to hurt people. Mm. Okay. Also, a disciple understands this concept that everybody sinned, including me. And, and a disciple will own his sin. Very much so. Uh, when, you, when you look at Peter, when he sees Jesus do the, just the miracle, Peter's instant reaction is, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. There's this, this recognition of, I haven't done anything right now. You weren't finding things on my computer that didn't belong there. I'm just standing next to a holy God and just who I am is sinful. I have sinned. Anybody here, you've sinned? Okay, those of you not raising your hands are definitely in trouble, okay? The Bible says if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. Appreciate the participation. But First John says you're a liar if you say, well, it's both. You, both, both of you are correct, actually, or all of you are. Uh, Romans 3.23 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Simon says, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And so just because I step across the line and become a disciple doesn't mean I don't sin. Doesn't mean there's not still some sinfulness in me. But over here, when I, as a liker of Jesus, oh, I've done bad. Oh, oh, God's going to hate my guts now. A disciple understands that this is part of the battle of life. This is part of the world we're in. In fact, because sin is to miss the mark, we realize that we, standing here as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God, still living in this world, we're living in a world that's missing the mark. And so everything we're experiencing is a couple bubbles off of the heart of God. And we realize that we're sinned against, that sin of People we don't even know impacts us. Some of you are paying more at the gas pump because of sin of other people. This is plain and simple. There's somebody stuffing their pockets while they're draining yours. Okay? Much of what you will experience in this lifetime is the result of sin. Why does bad things happen? Sin. Plain and simple. And sometimes you can trace the line. Sometimes you can't. But as a, as a disciple, we recognize that we've sinned. And yet, there's a healthy understanding of that. Remember I shared the story with you when I first stepped across the line? I sensed, ah, oh, I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm never going to sin again. Jesus died for my sin. I don't have to sin anymore. And about two weeks in, I sinned. And it's like the whole world came crashing down. And like a dog who is being trained not to pee on the carpet, I took my own hand and I rubbed my nose in my sin. I'm such a horrible person. And I was shipwrecked for about two weeks emotionally. I've discovered since then that that's shame. Now I know what to do with when I sin. I don't have a, have a, 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 a 
that's no big deal attitude towards sin as a disciple. But I also don't have a, the world is ending because I've, you know, I had anger towards someone else again, again. You know, anybody you feel like that again? Seriously, again? All right. Um, The next thing a disciple understands, that third thing on that slide, is that we have all sinned. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. We already already hit that. Um, The price of sin is death. This is... This is something, like, people who stand here, they don't feel they have any sin. Unless you sin against me, you deserve to die. Um, The people who stand here feel like, well, I'm better, 90% better than other people, and 90% of what I do is good compared to sin, so I don't deserve to die. Why should somebody deserve to die who does mostly good? And these people over here, they don't deserve to die because they've said the magic words, abracadabra, and their sin is gone, right? I Forgive me, but the people over here, They understand that sin, scripturally, Genesis chapter uh, 2 or 3, 2 and 3 talk about, in the day you eat it, you will what? Die. It's not, it's not, God wasn't saying on the day you eat it, I'm killing you. I'm going to snuff you out. It's you are going to introduce in a perfect world less than best. And less than best is like poison ivy. As you scratch it, it will spread. And it's going to get all over you and all over your life and all over your attitude and all over your relationships. It's going to get all over your heart and all over your language. It's going to get all over your money, all over your body. It's going to get all over your business. It's going to get out there in the world. And it's going to be in in the day that you sin, you will die. And so a disciple understands that Sin's payment is death. Mine, others, the things I touch. And so certainly a disciple understands that. They don't see it as, oh, God's going to be mad at me. It's more like, I don't want to suffer. And it's not suffering at the hands of God, At certainly at this point. It's suffering for my own stupidity. Hmm, if I hit myself in the head with this hammer... It's going to really hurt. I don't want that. Boom! Ah, God, why am, why am I experiencing? God, I'm experiencing this pain because you're punishing me for hitting myself in the head with a hammer. Listen, God doesn't need to punish you. 90% of the time, because of your own actions bring a result. And some of what you think is at the hand of God is just the byproduct of your own actions. A disciple can see that. I don't want to sin. Not because I'm worried about God, I better respect God, but I don't want to sin even if I repent because whatever you plant, the Bible says, something's going to grow from it even if you are forgiven. Now, things can be redeemed. It's a different topic for a different day. But man, you go out and you key somebody's car as the one congressman found out and got caught on tape keying a, a, somebody with the other political party sticker on their car, and I didn't do that. Well, guess what? We have parking lot cameras, and we see you doing it. Your sin will find you out. There's a payday that comes, right? Maybe unless you're in Congress. But anyways, moving on. It's a different topic for a different day. Um, also, uh, next slide. Disciples will see the truth is that the reason why Jesus came is not to prove that he's God. It's not to... I mean, a lot, there's a lot of byproduct for why Jesus came. But Jesus came to give his life to pay the penalty for my sin. 
A disciple, when they sin, they recognize that my action, that action I just committed, all of my actions, but the action I just committed requires death. But that's why Jesus came. Now, there's been some moments where I've done some little sins. There's stupid stuff, bad thought. I'm the most impressive body physique in this room. Some of it's delusional, and some of it's just arrogance and pride, right? Whatever your quick thought was. I've had dumb little thoughts that are incorrect. And there's been other things where I've allowed things to build up within me, and it comes out like a volcano. And then there's been other moments where, man, why did I do that? I was not planning on it. I was stupid. And there's been other times when there's been things that have attached onto me, those types of sins. And I'm like, why did I let the shackle of this thing get onto me? I'm dragging this around. I can't get it off me. But in all of those cases, I recognize that Jesus came not to forgive them, but to pay them in full. This is the thing as a disciple that will really, really change your heart towards sin. That when I see that my action is why Jesus hang, hung on a cross, that my, my horrible attitude, the horrible words I spoke to that person, the thing that I stole, the, 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 the rage that I feel towards an individual, the deception that I've, I've woven together so that I can be promoted, those dark things are seen by God, must be paid for. And the fact that Jesus came and was crucified, he did that for me. It causes me to look at my sin much more closely. In fact, it, it's a good thing because it actually blinds me towards the sin of other people. I'm not so worried about, well, did you know that pastor so-and-so sinned? Did you hear about that? Look, I don't have time to know about that. I'm still dealing with my sin. My sin is killing Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the real reality of it. When I sin, this is why Jesus had to be crucified, bloody, and impaled on a cross. No more horrific death. And that's sobering, but it's also powerful because it's payment. It's not a free pass. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card, so to speak. It's payment. I mean, if you lose your receipt, but you paid for something or, or somebody said you could have it, there's, there's some challenges. But when something's been paid for and you have the receipt, no matter who comes around to tell you you still owe money, you're able to pull out the receipt and say, paid in full. In fact, even when your heart is saying, oh, man, I still owe money. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. No, I don't. That's right. Paid in full. Paid in full. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done some really stupid things in my lifetime. Things that have showed up on the screen. Well, actually, we're not going to show some of mine. I've been able to capture some of your sins, and uh, the Internet's great. So we're going to put, next slide, we're going to go ahead and show the sins of Trisha Humphrey right here on the slide. And everybody, oh, actually, we couldn't find any of that. But uh, John Keller, we're about to show his sins. Brace yourself. It's a long video. Okay. You know, you know here's the thing is, my mind will replay my own sin. There's some stupid stuff that I've done that nobody knows that I've done, but I do. And if I lived here, those things would keep coming up and haunting me. 
But what I experience over here is the proof of full payment. I stand clean before you, and I'm no longer a sinner, though I do sin, simply because Jesus paid for my sin. And while I was over here, he said, Steve, will you accept my payment for your sin? And that's possible in becoming a disciple. Liking me doesn't apply to you. I still did it for you, but in order to cash in on this one, come and follow me. And man, think for a second, those of you who are in debt, I won't have you raise your hands. Wouldn't it be cool if they were, your debt was just like some college debt, magically forgiven? But we know that nothing is magically forgiven. Somebody has to pay. You may not pay for your college tuition today because somebody cancels it, but we will all pay for the next 30 years. Somebody's going to pay. Because there's no such thing as canceling debt. Somebody pays. And there's no such thing as just canceling your sin. There's a thing called full payment, though. And so every step that I take, even when those, the video wants to play my sins and remind me from thing, things that I did when I was 14 years old, and that's like 20 years ago, hard to remember some of that stuff, right? I mean, I have to go way back in the annals of my brain to purge that stuff to the top. And, and, and while at first there's this capture of my heart that wants to push my face back down into, you remember what you did, I'm able to say, whoa, 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 whoa paid in full. And while there's some people that will never forgive me for what I've done, I, my debt with them has been paid. Jesus paid for my actions, and he paid for the opportunity for them to allow his sacrifice to pay the price for what I did. And if they won't take his sacrifice, it's likely that you know, they might not take my apology or anything else. In fact, I find that it's impossible to truly forgive until you've experienced the forgiveness of God, which is full payment. In fact, when I ask somebody to forgive me, I'm not saying, can you you just forget that I ever did that or give me a free pass? In fact, when I repent to a brother or sister, what I'm saying is, I know what I did was wrong and I could never make right. Now, there's some restitution I should make in this situation, possibly. Okay, and one of them is just a humble and contrite heart. Not, you have to forgive me. Jesus said 99 times 9 or 77 times 7 or whatever the number is. Uh, that's, you're, you're, you're not really saying, you're not really repenting. But what I'm really saying when I ask somebody to forgive me is, I know I've sinned against you, but would you allow Jesus' death on the cross to make it right? That's repentance. That's forgiveness between two brothers. You know how I can forgive people? I could tell you some stories. You could tell some stories. I would tr- my scar is bigger than yours. You know how that, that discussion goes. But we've all been burned by somebody. And why it's so easy to forgive is I'm able to look at the same sacrifice that forgave my sins, full payment to be applied to them. And I do that in my heart whether they ask for it or not. You know why? Life is too short to carry that balance sheet around. I mean, old school, I know we're in a digital age, but if you were a bookkeeper in old school, you had reams and stacks of paperwork for all the companies. If you were a bookkeeper, I mean, you you had to go to the office. You had to pull the books out. They were big and they were heavy. And as a any one of these three categories, when someone sins against you, forgiving them, you know you haven't forgiven. 
when the emotions still churn up. I'm not saying, you know, there's not, a, there's not scars. But if you're churning that stuff up, one of the best ways, and we'll talk about this in two weeks, best way to escape the, the impact of sin is to say, Jesus, right here and right now, I declare that your payment on the cross is sufficient for what they did to me. And you might have to pull that receipt out once in a while when that story begins to play, not of what you've done, but what they've done to you, but it works just as effectively. Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He will whisper in your ear, remember when they did you wrong. Yeah, but they did you right a thousand times. It's just the last conversation you had, they did you wrong. You know, wipe out 20 years of a relationship with somebody because of the final bad conversation? They're the devil. Really? They were, so they were the devil. It took you 20 years to figure it out. What does that say about you? You said they were your best friend. Well, but I didn't know. Well, you know, best friends sin. Jesus died to pay for your sin. Okay, let me give you a, they're going to, stand with me, okay? Uh, and I'm just going to give you the last couple of real, real quick, okay? Um, we, we, as disciples, and the worship team's going to come. Um, as a disciple, this is really how I view my sin. I don't want to take away anything from the command of God, because the command of God for me is everything. But obedience for obedience sake for me, although is obedience. I like to inform my obedience. I like to I like to remind myself of that God is not just you know I don't know what it's like to be a dog. But in training a dog, dogs learn that there are some things allowed and some things not allowed and I want my master to be happy and so I'll don't do bad, do good and you know they there's a navigation trying to train a dog to get to that spot. But what my dog doesn't understand is I don't just have arbitrary rules. I don't want you to pee on the carpet because when you lay down as the dog on the carpet, that's yucky. I don't want you to step in your own poo. That was a discussion I had this morning with my dog. I don't want you to step in your own poo. But why? You just don't want me to have fun. No, I know that later on you're self Groomer, and I'm thinking that I don't want you to get poo in your mouth. Some of you think that God said no because he doesn't want you to have fun. God says no because he doesn't want you to have to eat your own poo. You can quote me on that, by the way. The profound things that you will learn in this place, it's a long list. They will be shocking to other people. Just real quick, I just see, as I stand here, anytime I sin or participate in sin, think about sin, whatever level of sin it is, it's ultimately gonna rob me of all the good things that God had. Just like Adam and Eve. How can an apple, or a fruit, I'm sorry, we know it wasn't an apple, theologically correct here, It was a fruit. Nobody said it was an apple. Okay, you're right. Correct. So the fruit, I see some value. What's the big deal? But there was a big deal because it was going to rob me of better things. And so when I'm faced with sin, one of the things that motivates me, even if God would forgive me, it's going to still rob me. 
man, I don't like to be robbed. Have you ever had your car broken into? Have you ever had your house broken into? Have you, anybody ever stolen your identity? Have you ever had just somebody take some money out of your drawer? Nickels that you found in your child's room, right? Those are my nickels, right? As if it would buy you anything, but to, I don't want to be robbed. And every time I sin, the byproducts are it, it robs from my relationship with God. I just feel horrible because I know that my sin is killing him or killed him. It robs from my relationships with other people, whether I sin against them or just as I carry sin in my heart, it impacts my relationship with other people. It affects my mood. It affects my behavior. It, it affects my words. How many of you know if there's sin in your life, your words begin to... Ooh, they're not life-giving, they're life-taking. It will de it destroy my sense of self-worth. You know, when I, I fall into sin and it, sinful thinking, like I'm just, oh, life stinks. Do you understand that's, that's a sinful view? Life sucks. No, life is a pleasure and a privilege and there's challenges, but God's gonna help me through, right? That's how we hit the target. And my attitude gets down in the dumps. It destroys our sense of self-worth. No wonder stuff goes bad for me. I'm so stupid. Such a loser. Keep falling into the sin. No wonder everything doesn't work out. Well, lots of things work out, but I can't see it because my sense of self-worth is being eclipsed by my sin. It impacts my clarity, my confidence, my faith. It's really hard to sin and then go pray for someone's healing, let alone your own. How many of you, you've, don't raise your hand, you've sinned and then you've got this need and you want to pray and ask God for help and you're like, uh, no, I'm not going there with my prayer. Anybody? You don't have the confidence to pray because you're like, what kind of person sins and then ask God to bless them? Likers do it all the time, but a disciple is impacted by that. Now, again, if you have it, things in proper place, you'll still be able to push forwards. But I know for me, it robs me of my faith. It weakens my impact, the impact of the gospel in my life and my impact of my ministry. I know it doesn't. It affects my anointing. Outcomes are robbed. Yeah, I might be forgiven by God, but I might have to spend time in jail. Right? And there's some internal impact because when you read scripture, even though things are forgiven, we still stand before God to give an account right? We do. It's not whited out. It's not those words are missing. I mean, how will we really stand before Jesus and cast our crowns before him without the clarity of why we're casting our crowns before him? Last slide. I'll just stop here. Um, take me to the next slide because the goal is to cease from sin. If this is you, I want you to know that you're in good company. I want to stop sinning. Anybody? Let me see your hands. Who wants to stop sinning? Some of you are like, no, nah, that's pretty good. I like it because I'm living over here. I like it. Like me some over here. Okay, well, you'll find out. Okay, how many of you are like, no, 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 I, I, I don't want to sin. But I, I've been, I, I struggle. Anybody? Look around. I got, pastor's got his hand up. Ooh, the scandal. Pastor's got sin. Oh, oh I just know pastor's got sin. You are very prophetic. You're amazing. Spirit of God's all over you, revealing truth. I've got sin, but I also struggle to victory. And we're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks, okay? Has this been good for you? Has this been helpful? Come on, give the Lord a hand if you believe that. We're going to sing one final song, but I want to challenge you as we sing this song.
If you are living in one of these categories, you come on up here. You guys, she's going to take She's going to take the, the platform. If you're living in one of these areas up here, I want to boldly challenge you to run this way. He whom the sun sets free is free indeed. When I stepped across this line, Jesus took the backpack of all my sinful acts and all the acts of others that sinned against me that I was carrying in the backpacks of life. I had a backpack on my pinky toe. That's how much accounting I was carrying around, dragging my way through life with my... But the moment I stepped across this spot, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You know why I'm free? Because my sin is paid in full. Give your life to Jesus and experience paid in full. Paid in full. It is an amazing, amazing life to live. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for the faithfulness of your son, Jesus, who came to give his life a ransom so that we can be free of sin. So that we can not only be forgiven, but then navigate like good disciples to a place where we we see sin crouching at the door, but man, we're able to overcome it. We learn to, to not only say no to sin, but to stronghold, push back sin, to rip the shackles of sin off of our life and the life of the people around us because there's a power that resides within us as we grow in our discipleship to overcome sin. Father, I thank you that that's our possibility and the reality that you have for each of us. We give our lives to you. We say no more to unbelief. We say no more to just being a liker. I say yes to following Jesus with every step remaining in my life. Thank you for dying for my sin, paying for my sin, paying for my sin in full. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Give the Lord one more hand, okay? Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church.